Uh, good morning, everybody. It's uh, lovely to see you this morning. Uh, I do want to bring an update. I want, and there's maybe one or two here, and you don't know what I'm about to share with you. So I want to read some scriptures, and then I want to speak on behalf of uh, a, a number of people, not only in this church, but in other churches, involved in what we're calling um, digging deeper. And it has... Uh, a level of meaning to it in different ways. But I do want to read these scriptures that just uh, allow us to, to place it in the context of Jesus' teaching. It says in uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, 25 to 29, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells that wonderful story of the Good Samaritan. And just to, to give you a couple of other pieces of scripture, one that John Mark has uh, given to us earlier this week, uh, but uh, this piece of scripture appears on uh, this little card uh, that we give out to people, and I'll show you in the post in a wee minute, uh, digging deeper, Christians making a difference. And I'll just read Matthew 13, verses 3 uh, to 9. And Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. And these are verses that uh, John Mark has shared with us. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown to, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Digging deeper is uh, a coming together of a group of people. To date, just Christians. But it just doesn't have to be Christians in these teams. But at the moment, what we have been seeking to do is to love our neighbor. And to love our neighbor through the simple act of doing good to them. And 
We have been doing that in the place known as the Heights, on the other side of the ban, uh, Cologne, that area. And what has been happening is that we have been, uh, since last spring, going into that community on the basis of referrals that have come from Cologne Parish Church, the Elam, Corian Elam at the base of Pates Lane, and through uh, some help from Stephanie Quigley, the SDLP councillor in the area who attends our church. The work is not a work that is just to do with the people of this church. It is a work that is, as part of its expression of God's love, wanting to involve the body of Christ, wherever they come from, if they are evangelical believers. And so Cologne Parish Church, uh, Pates, Elam, and now I met with the Reverend David Brown just this week of uh, Hazelbank, and uh, John Mark had met with him earlier last year, and he is very keen to come on board. So it means that as we start up this spring, we will be going out to visit largely people who fall into three categories. The elderly, unable to look after their backyard or their front garden. People who would be in some way disabled, it could be mental illness, it could be physical or whatever, and people who fall into the, the category of maybe been single parents. A couple of children unable to care for their property but would want it to look neat and tidy. Those are largely the three groups of people within that community that we're trying to reach. It is possible that this year we will be touching base with some specific people who have real struggles in relation to drug addiction and alcohol addiction. What we simply do is we go in on a Saturday morning. Last year, it was every alternate Saturday from 9.30 through to 12 o'clock, two and a half hours, give or take a few minutes either way. And we would go in uh, on the basis, as I already said, to people that were referred to us. We would cut grass we would trim hedges, and we would tidy up beds. Nothing more than that, for different reasons. But simply to give people a wee bit more pride in their own little environment. Now, we've done a wee bit more than that in certain cases. There can be individual situations where we have gone in as a team with particular equipment, and we've done quite a, an expansive job in some places. Uh, of tidying up, clearing, and things like that. Each team is made up. Uh, there, are, there are five people on our steering committee. Uh, if they would stand up for me at the minute, that would help me, rather than me having to think on my feet. Bill's one. Who else? Nobody else here. Well, Susan was one, but Susan has stood down. Dodie is another one, unable to stand up, but weak knees, I think she has, you know. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> There, and, and Vladik, he's there. Thank you for helping me out, folks. That's very decent of you. Uh, and then there is Wesley is not here. And uh, Bill Gibson is also involved. Bill has a very specific role, which he'll come to. Uh, and 
we have um, maybe three or four meetings a year. We try to ensure that we keep a very careful watch on what has been done. So each of those people, or one of those people, will head up a team. And they will report back to each of us how the day went, but they'll also report back to Bill, who will, prior to us going out, uh, inform a number of people who are prayer warriors for us. And Bill is very, very good at doing that through email and in other ways. So there are a number of people here in the fellowship who have agreed to be prayer warriors on behalf of the Digging Deeper. They will know uh, who's going out in the team. Sometimes they will know where we're going. That's not necessarily the case. And they get feedback as well. We go in, we make ourselves known in that there are usually three men and one lady. Because of the types of people we've been meeting in our first year, they've usually been ladies, either elderly or young, younger ladies uh, single uh, with children. So the ladies have had a very important uh, responsibility, and that is to try to get to know these ladies, and if they are willing to sit down with them in their kitchen, have a wee chat, a wee natter, catch up how they're feeling, what's going on in their lives. And if the ladies are agreeable, pray with them and read to them. Now, that has been about maybe 9, 10, 11, 12 people just. Uh, we kept it uh, limited in our first year by going out every two weeks just. And we had four teams, one team, team one, team two, team three, team four, on a rotor basis so that people were only going out on every uh, one and four. And they were going out only because it was every two weeks, every eighth week, whatever it was. Or, yeah, that'd be right. So the, the equipment that we have has come from some of you in the church. Um, we're going to be buying new equipment this year. We've been donated a new lawnmower and strimmer. And we're going to buy another lawnmower and strimmer because we have a wee bit of money in the kitty. I don't see Katrina here, but I'm at the reminder of that fact, <laughs> that we've got a money in the kitty. So the idea is we'll go out this year again, but there are a few differences in that we want to go out every Saturday, not just every two. We need four teams at least that will be made up of at least four people. It may well be this year that we will find that we are visiting not only ladies, but gentlemen and ladies, or maybe just gentlemen. So we'll need maybe one man on that team to not necessarily do the hard work of digging and such like, but to do the hard work of developing relationships. So it's an ongoing unknown for all of us, but God, I think it's fair to say, has blessed our first year. And the relationships that we made last year uh, Dodie has kept up a number of those relationships by visiting them. I sent them out Christmas cards just to let them know that this fellowship was praying for them and remembering them. And Dodie is now going to send out Easter cards to let them know that we're going to be visiting them again. And then we're going to go out and uh, we're maybe going to deliver these cards. This year we may be doing it as they call cold turkey. Otherwise, just knocking on doors where we see gardens that are not being cared for. And it's obvious that they need help. 
So that's something we're thinking of doing. If you would be interested, um, I have a sheet here. Now, I'm taking this that those who were involved last year are still wanting to be involved this year. That may not be the case, I realise that. But this sheet here is if you want to be involved in, at, at two levels. A prayer warrior, you don't have to come to a prayer meeting, you just pray at home. And Bill will keep you informed as to prayer needs. If you want to be part of that team, we just believe that nothing happens without prayer. We're just the front line of uh, what is going on. The battle is in the heavenlies, and we need prayer. Uh, so if you feel that you can be involved in that, that would be wonderful. If you feel that you can present yourself to trim a wee hedge or two, push a lawnmower, or whatever it is, it's not overtaxing. I want to say that. Sometimes yeah, it's a bit of hard work, but the people who can really do that will do that. Uh, but one of the wonderful things is just being together as a team. And we normally pray before we go out. And uh, we go out, and really we've had mostly good weather. And we have not missed a time last year. So if you would be interested, I'm leaving a pen. And I'm leaving that sheet. Uh, the bottom half of the sheet is if you'd be interested in being in a team. Now, what I would say, you may feel a wee bit uncertain about that. At least come out and try it. If it's not for you, there's, no, there's nothing's lost at all. Uh, so please feel free. If you were involved last year and you don't want to be involved this year, have a wee word with either Bill or myself or Vladik or Dodie or Wesley uh, or Bill Gibson as well and just say, look, I'm not free this year. I've got other things going on. But we would love uh, to see you involved. Uh, the trailer that we use, we always gathered our house in Castle Rock Road, just to let you know that. We put this, this is the same as our card. John Mark and I use you as a, a poster holder. That's simply what goes on the trailer when we go out. It just lets people know, look, we're not whatever else we might be, but we are Christians and we're there to make a difference. So some of these people have been, uh, I think it's fair to say, blessed by us being involved in their lives. So if you're interested in that, I may have forgotten something. Have I forgotten anything, Bill? Billy? Bill? Yeah, good point. Yeah. This is just for people who haven't been involved. So... Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a million, Alistair. Um, so do, do come sign up uh, if you're able to uh, get involved in that. And uh, so we, we were uh, going to be hearing this morning from Angie Minion uh, about the work of the Big House, which Colin works with as well. Angie's the one who kind of was the founder of Big House and was going to come and tell the story of... of how Big House came about and the work they do with young people. Um, Angie has come down with some symptoms, uh, sore throat and so on, and so is, uh, didn't want to bring that into our midst uh, very thoughtfully. Um, so, but we only found that out yesterday. So Colin is not going to share this morning about the Big House. We're going to postpone that for another time and get Angie uh, to come up and share. Uh, but Colin told me yesterday he had a talk prepared 
for Dalriata CU on the topic of don't be afraid. Uh, and I thought that might be, uh, he and I thought that might be appropriate. So Colin, do you want to come? And Colin's going to share with us. Thank you for stepping in short notice, Colin. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for Colin. Thank you for the, the way that he blesses us as a church community, how much we love having him as part of our church family. Um, Father, thank you for Colin's willingness to step in this morning and share with us. And I want to pray right now, would you uh, come by your Holy Spirit and just give him confidence and freedom and help uh, to share the things that are on his heart. And Father, pray for us that we would be really receptive uh, to the things that you want to say to us through Colin um, by your word. Come Holy Spirit, be our teacher this morning um, and speak to us words that will give us life. Uh, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, JM. Um, find the flicker. There we go. Yeah, so apologies from Angie and uh, Jen, our counsellor. They really wanted to come and share with you about Big House, but they didn't want to come and share their sore throat. So you get me instead. Um, and this talk was is, well, will hopefully be still given to Dalriata CU in uh, Monday week. Yeah, so this is just a practice run. Yes. Um, so it might be a little different for that reason. So, yes, sometimes you hear Christianity referred to as a religion of don'ts. Don't kill, don't steal, um, don't have sex outside marriage, don't get drunk, don't gossip, don't love money, on it goes. We know that's not what our faith is about. But there is a big don't that runs through the middle of the whole of scripture from beginning to end. And James already told you what it is. <laughs> don't be afraid. Apparently in some translations it's there 365 times. So it seemed like an appropriate talk to give this morning. Uh, I've been thinking about fear and being afraid for months, long before I'd heard of coronavirus or COVID-19. Uh, the reason for giving this talk in, in Dalriata CU is because it was one of the last ones before they go off to do their exams. So I wonder, what are you afraid of? Afraid of the dark? Afraid of spiders? Afraid of sharks? Um, afraid of jellyfish? Perhaps, like me, you don't like heights? Or my biggest irrational fear is crabs. <laughs> you see those mean red-eyed velvet crabs? I used to catch them on Purple and Tray. Scared stuff of them. Um, there you go. Or perhaps it's this. And for some of us, that fear is very personal to us because we're at risk. Or perhaps it's something we want to protect other people from, the COVID-19 virus. Uh, you don't need me to tell you that we're surrounded uh, by fear, especially at the moment. But that fear was there. It's a, it's a symptom of our culture that is coming to the fore. That's kind of helpful to see it in daylight. Fear is a natural response. It's built into us. And it's actually quite important and useful for avoiding getting seriously injured. You know, fear of heights can be a good thing if you're near a cliff edge. Fear of fire can be a good thing if you need to get out of a burning building. Um, we actually react 
It's built into our subconscious. We react before we know it. I don't know if you've seen Cats versus Cucumbers on YouTube. If not, go and look it up. It's hilarious. Just don't do it to your own cat. Okay, we're not, we're not advocating that. Um, but a cat sees a cucumber and jumps because it thinks it's a snake before it even realizes that's not what's going on here. And actually, we're the same. We react before we consciously work out what's going on. Um, usually, how we react is in one of three ways. Fight, flight, or freeze. Uh, we get geared up to fight. We run away, or we freeze, play dead, hide, hope the danger passes. Um, our brains are also designed to respond to, to threats more than nice things. So if someone comes up to you and hands you a donut, you're going to be concentrating on that donut until someone else comes up and points a gun at you. Suddenly, donut, what donut? Gun. We're hardwired to pay more attention to the things that threaten us. It's part of our survival instinct. Um, but it's also why. If you want to make money from headlines, if you want your social media posts to get more posts, if you want to make money from advertising revenue, bad news gets more noticed. Do you wonder why there's more bad news than good news? That's why, because we pay more attention to it. So it seems a wee bit unfair for God to go on saying 365 times, don't be afraid. Did Jesus experience fear? I think he did. I think when it talks about Jesus being deeply distressed in Gethsemane, it's fair to say he was afraid. So if Jesus was afraid, then it's not a sin. It's not morally wrong. The first mention of being afraid in the Bible uh, gives us a clue. Adam says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Fear as a result of the fall. Unlike other consequences of the fall, Jesus experienced it. But it's not how things were meant to be or are meant to be. As well as useful, uh, a useful kind of fear, there's a fear that's not useful, that can enslave us. Instead of being a useful tool, keeping us safe, it becomes our master, keeping us afraid. Romans 15 says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Sometimes we have an irrational fear of things, like crabs. Um, but more often, it's the things we can't see that we're persistently afraid of. What about the fear of failure? The fear of embarrassment? of rejection, of abandonment, being alone, of judgment, fear of pain, fear of emotional hurt. If you search for the word afraid in the New Testament, you find it typically in two contexts. One is Jesus and God saying, don't be afraid. And the other is people's behavior being driven because they were afraid of the crowds or they were afraid of the leaders. Quite often when fear drives us, it's a fear of other people, what they will think about us, say about us, how they will treat us. And our bodies react 
to these fears in the same way as the physical things. Uh, we can become aggressive and angry and ready for a fight. We can be agitated and restless and ready to run. Or we can be paralyzed, mortified, literally, playing dead and freeze. Um, different people respond to different situations in different ways. The knowledge about fear and stress and anxiety can help us find helpful ways to respond. And we're going to talk about the natural and then we'll get to the supernatural. Um, firstly, it's useful to notice what's going on in our bodies. My hands are clammier than usual at the moment because uh, I'm up in front of you lot. Even though I know you're not really all that scary, uh, it's a subconscious reaction. Um, but we can notice, oh, actually, I'm, I'm afraid of something. And then we can think, well, what is it I'm afraid of? Uh, and sometimes that's helpful to realize, actually, you lot aren't all that scary. Uh, but sometimes it, it doesn't automatically work that way. I, I'm an engineer. I think it should work that way. I figure out, oh, this is not something to be scared of, scared of therefore I'm not scared. But it doesn't work that way. Um, sometimes we can know that our fears are not rational, but we're still afraid. Um, it can be useful and see if the thing that we're afraid of is something that's inside our control or outside our control. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 6, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Uh, if you haven't got one of these, get one of these. Uh, Book of Drawings by Charlie Maxey. Everyone is a bit scared, said the horse. We are less scared together. It can be really helpful to do this with other people, to talk about what we're scared of. Talk to someone who will listen to you, uh, to talk about these things. Um, and if it's something that really affects our lives deeply, to talk to somebody who's trained in listening, who's trained in counseling. But... These things are helpful, but there's more. There's an even greater reason why God tells us not to be afraid. Jesus may have experienced fear, but he didn't live in fear. It didn't dictate his thoughts, his words, or actions. One of the things I find really attractive about Jesus and makes me want to be like him is his liberty, his freedom from fear. I envy that. I want to emulate that. So let's shift, or sorry, why was Jesus not more afraid? Let's shift our gaze from the natural to the supernatural, um, as Chris was talking about earlier this morning. I want to read a familiar passage from Matthew 8. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to take a picture of Norman's amazing pa uh, painting that's in the stairwell, but you can all go and look at it on your way out. There's a fantastic painting that uh, Norman has done of Jesus uh, calming the storm. Um, then he got into the boat. Notice whose idea it was. It was Jesus' idea. <laughs> and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. 
there was really good reason for these guys to be afraid. They weren't scared of jellyfish and crabs and sharks. They weren't just really big waves, they were breaking into the boat. I'm sure every one of them knew somebody who'd been killed and drowned on that lake in a storm. I often wonder what would have happened if they hadn't woken Jesus. I guess I was told in Sunday school when we read this story, you don't need to be afraid. Jesus can calm the storm. Nothing to be afraid of. Whatever comes up, Jesus can fix it. But as I've got older, I've seen too many storms that Jesus didn't calm. I've seen too many people go through storms that didn't go away. That's not the point. The point is Jesus is with us. God is with us. Jesus demonstrates that the person who is in the boat is God. The disciples ask, who is this guy? That's the point of the story. This is the one who is with us. Jesus says, have faith in who I am so that you're not afraid. Later, he would demonstrate the depth of his love for us as he went to the cross. And he would demonstrate even greater power than this as he defeated even death. This is the one who is with us. The opposite of fear is not courage. It's trust in the one who is good, who loves us, and who has the power to defeat anything in this, this world can throw at us. And trust isn't a subconscious reaction. Trust is a choice. A choice we can all make. What difference does this make? Firstly, I just want to say in our, in our context, I'm not advocating that we live recklessly. When it comes to coronavirus, we follow the advice, we be responsible, and that's part of protecting each other, looking out for each other, and loving each other. That's not what this is about. I really don't like heights. But Emily loves nothing more when we're on holiday than to find the highest high ropes course she can find. However, she doesn't like to go on them on her own. So Muggins gets literally roped in. <laughs> One thing makes all the difference, and that's the harness. Doesn't make for flattering photographs, but there is no way on this earth that I'm going up there without a harness. And there's no way on this earth that I'm letting Emily go up there without a harness. It makes all the difference. I know that if I slip, if I fall, if I come to an obstacle I can't get over or get round, I'm not going to fall to the ground. Ecclesiastes speaks of a cord of three strands that can't easily be broken. I believe God holds us with a harness of three strands that are immovable, unchangeable, can never break. God's character, God's power, and God's love. God's character, 
the Lord proclaimed his name to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You can have absolute trust in God's character. God's power. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one by name because of his great and mighty power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. How great is God's power that sustains the whole universe? You can have absolute trust in God's power. And God's love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. If this cross means anything, it is that you can have absolute confidence in God's love for you. Knowing who God is, believing in his power, and most of all, believing in his love enables us to live without being afraid. God has a firm grip on us, even if our grip on him is weak and tenuous at best. More than anyone else whose feet have touched this earth, Jesus knew these things. Jesus, who's been part of the Trinity, part of God since before time, knows God's character, has God's character. Jesus, who was there when God spoke the universe into being, through him everything was created, has no doubt about God's power. And Jesus, who was there when God handmade Adam and every human being since, every one of us, and who came to rescue us, has no doubt about how much God loves us. And so he's able to say to us, don't be afraid. God promises, he knows we don't need to be afraid. God promises never to leave us. He is always in the boat with us. He promises that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Even death has been overcome. How can we hear these truths when the storm hits? When we get a fever and a cough. When our exam results or our hospital results are not what we were expected. Jesus says, the, the passage we read said the storm came up suddenly. They didn't see it coming. How do we hear God's voice over the news headlines or the social media storms? Can I encourage you to meditate on what God says? And that can take lots of different forms. Psalm 1, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Read it, write it out. Follow people on social media who post it. Write it up on your kitchen cupboards. Listen to it on your, seat, on your uh, playlists in your cars. Put it on post-it notes on your mirrors. Hear the words that God speaks above the noise that is around us. Um, 
So I want to do that now. I want to read you a series. I'm not going to read all 365, don't worry. Uh, a series of passages from the Bible. Uh, you might want to look at them on the screen or you might want to close your eyes. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. Exodus 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never see you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Joshua 1. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. surging. And many more Psalms. We heard people read this morning from Psalm 4, from Psalm 42, from Psalm 91. If in doubt, if feeling afraid, open your Bible at the Psalms and flick through. You will find one. Uh, not only that, but we can sing them, or in my case, you can listen to other people singing them. They're tremendously encouraging. Isaiah 41, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Isaiah 43, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the river, rivers, they will not sweep over you. Jeremiah 17. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Romans 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And again in Romans 8, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I'm from Revelation. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades.
I have to say this morning when I came to church, I almost wondered what's all the fuss about because I spent so long yesterday reading these words, writing them out, doing fancy pictures in PowerPoint, going over and over in my head, soaking in these words. It's really quite bizarre, the effect it had on me, compared to the effect of going to Sainsbury's and finding no toilet roll, um, or listening to the news headlines. Listening to this voice made a difference. Listening to God's voice and his words made a difference. It makes another difference too. Again, Charlie Maxey. Imagine how we would be if we were less afraid. Not only do we not need to be afraid, but we can live differently. So there's me climbing with Sam. No harness, all of ooh, almost a foot off the ground. <laughs> there's Emily in her harness. What can we do if we're not afraid? Imagine how we would be if we were less afraid. To soar on wings like eagles, to dare greatly, to live life in all its fullness, as we were made to, we need to trust in the three-corded harness, God's unchanging character, his limitless power, and his never-stopping never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. We don't need to be afraid. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you know our hearts. You know when we're scared. And you're merciful and gentle and kind. And it's in your mercy you say to us, you don't need to be afraid because I am with you. Father, would you remind us and help us to remind each other to know your peace and carry it to others. And above the noise of the headlines and the fear, would there be a new sound, the sound of Christians singing that rings in the ears of the people around us? In Jesus' name.